Hi, I'm Bert Broadhead, and welcome back to Building Our Future, the podcast where we meet the people shaping the way we design, construct, and utilize our built environment. So apologies for delay in getting this episode out. The chaos of summer scheduling has somehow got the better of me, but we've got some great content coming out to you soon, so please do stay tuned for more episodes in due course. Today, I'm meeting someone who's revolutionising the provision of news content in the property industry. It seems a long way since my time as a graduate surveyor, where you essentially had two sources for news uh, within real estate, which were essentially Estates Gazette and Property Week. There's now an abundance of great new content, uh, but it comes with its own new challenges. So I got in touch with someone at the forefront of this new way of thinking to see how we overcome these. My guest today is Matt Partridge, founder of Infobode. Infobode is an online information platform for the global real estate market connecting its users with companies producing market news and data through an online platform that users can configure to suit their needs and interests. Since launching in 2016, Infobode now has over 450 companies contributing news, analysis and data for an audience of over 17,000. Matt, welcome to Building Our Future and thanks for bringing the cooler weather with you over to our our HQ. Thank you for having me. Um, So we're in the midst of a prop tech boom across all facets of the industry. From what I understand, you've come from outside of real estate. So what drew you to research and information as the part of a sector that you really wanted to help exploit? Good question. So uh, my background, I guess, starts going back to university when I was studying business enterprise development, or BED, as we like to call it. And I was studying a whole range of sort of business topics, and one of them was economics. And we had a dreadful academic teaching us economics, and we had a we had a paper coming up, and um, we had to do some research on on what we were about to be tested on. And I hadn't hadn't learned a lot off this particular academic going into the test, so I did what everyone does, and I turned to Google, and I was starting to Google sort of academic research on what was happening in the economy, and I just found it really hard to get at particular academic information. Finish, finish university and then I moved into the sports industry and my role there was to um, analyse opportunities within the sports market. And again, I would have to look at the rugby industry or the gym market in, in, in London and again, turn to Google and really frustratingly struggle to get at research on what was happening in the particular market. And at that point, just realized, you know, Google's great if you want a single point of information. So if you want to know who the president is or how to get to this building for this for this interview today, Google's very useful. But if you want to analyze what's happening across a particular industry or market, it's really tough. So so the idea sort of stuck then that, that Google, although great for some things, wasn't great for industry research. And then I, I moved on into, um, into a, another sports company, but they were selling merchandise. And this company um, sold merchandise for the World Rally Championships, and they sold a fortune at events. So every we would go around the world, we'd go to France, Italy, America, and every time we would turn up to a World Rally, they would sell thousands and thousands of pounds worth of merchandise. But online, they sold barely anything. I think the sales were something like 5,000. And I was basically brought in on the online side of that to say, right, can you boost, help us boost the online sales? And I'd like to say it was skill, but more through luck. Instead of hard selling to people and saying, you know, buy this merchandise, buy this merchandise through like Google adverts or Facebook adverts, 
we thought, well, what if we built like a community and we had a, like an area where people could talk about the World Rally, you had interviews, uh, you had upcoming events. So we built this sort of like community aspect to it. And then we soft sold the merchandise off the back of that. And it, it went crazy. I mean, within a year, I think we'd sold a quarter of a million of merchandise. We were out selling online to offline. And it was sort of just like a moment where it was like, wow, well, what if you combine the two? What if you combine a platform that had all of this industry research and knowledge in one place? But what if you did it in a community format where everybody that cared about about that particular industry or, or sector was all in one place? So Infobobe was sort of born. And at the time, it wasn't necessarily going to be just a real estate. In fact, it was going to be the idea initially was that you could sign up from any industry. You could contribute um, data, content, research, and then users could access it. Being young and um, naive, it thought that was possible. It quickly became apparent that really needed to focus on a particular market. And then it was identifying which market that should be. Um, and initially, the, the, the first three were sort of tech, pharmaceuticals, and real estate. Family background in real estate, so I had lots of people that I could talk to in real estate. And real estate was fascinating in terms of how people use data, how people use research. And a lot of companies used it for their marketing purposes. So, um, you know, your Savills, JLL, Colliers of the world would release massive research reports and massive um, aggregated data to show off their knowledge about a particular market for marketing purposes. So if you were reading research about the West End office market and you were reading that from Savills, you would then likely go to Savills to, to help you broker the deal. So we moved more towards real estate. I mean, pharmaceuticals was fascinating, but there, and there's a lot of money in pharmaceuticals, but it's very, everything, all the data and all of the information there is very kept undercover until they get the pattern and then they're shouting about it. Uh, where real estate's more sort of open and, and, and more welcoming uh, uh, market for us. But we should, I suppose, draw a distinction between data and research. So a lot, a lot of what is on Infobode is, I suppose, research. So it's people using their proprietary data aggregating it as you say and presenting it in interesting ways but what you're not getting is necessarily just raw data yeah absolutely so where i think info comes in is we are not 100 percent, but the large majority of info is macro data so it's aggregated data about a particular market so everything happening in the london west end office market everything happening in the city um, but not individual specific micro data no just so so for all this is to be clear you're income from Infobade is actually coming from the people whose content you're producing rather than the consumer. So we looked at it. It's an interesting one in terms of when you look to, to monetize Infobade because um, what we're competing against is people going to Google. Now, we strongly believe, and everyone we spoke to in the industry does find it difficult to get at, at real estate data and, and research through uh, through Google, but you don't want to give people an excuse not to move over the platform. So from very early on, we were like, info should be free for the real estate industry. So it's free for consumers to sign up, and it's actually free for the content providers as well. So we we actually say to the content providers, look, give us your 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 market knowledge, your your market information, which then sits on Infobo's database, and in exchange, we'll give you an increased reach to people that otherwise you wouldn't have been able to access. We then upsell. So if they then want analytics on how their content's performing on Infobode, they pay for that. If they want to advertise to particular bits of the market on Infobodes, for example, if they want to get a German investors, they can advertise to German investors through Infobode. They're the two main um, monetization routes at the moment. We do move into other areas. So we do sort of like integration deals where other people can have access to, to our database. And we will move in uh, later this year into paid content, people that charge for subscriptions and access to, to, to paid content, which our users will then be able to access through, through the site as well. The paid content 
content being what magazines that you'd otherwise subscribe to online or initially we're looking at um news so um we're looking at news subscriptions so the ability for you if you have i don't know i'm just gonna pluck a couple out the air here these aren't Go for these it. aren't exclusives but um let's say property you and yeah. property week if you had subscriptions with those guys and, and they partnered up with Infobode, uh, then you, if you had a subscription with them, then you'd be able to access that content within the Infobode platform. And if you didn't have that, then we could upsell that and say, okay, you're interested in UK news. These are the news providers. Would you like to take out a subscription with these guys? Going back to data, we seem to be at quite a strange point just from a, a general market perspective where the power of data is now very clear and I think everyone's pretty much grasped that. And it's actually kind of just vacuuming up and collating as much data as they possibly can. Sometimes not knowing what they might do with it right now, but knowing that in the future it may well hold value. But the challenge is really how you translate that data into information, knowledge and, and wisdom. What do you think the answer is when this kind of world of big data? If you go back, I don't know, even sort of four or five years, I think the agents were sitting on a lot of data, um, a lot of market knowledge. And I think now with data becoming more accessible, um, a lot more of it, people understand the value of it. And as you say, perhaps the future value of it, a lot more companies and and platforms are sitting on a, a lot of interesting data and and the agents are sort of shifting more towards advising on that data and and making that their niche rather than holding the data so i think it all it's all going to come about the interpretation of that data more and more of it's going to become accessible and it's going to be identifying opportunities off the back of that data rather than necessarily just we've got proprietary data although there is still massive value i believe in proprietary data right now do you think they I'd agree with that. But in in a world where there is value in proprietary data, does being big have, is it going to give you an an unfair advantage? So the more powerful data becomes, and the bigger you are, presumably, the better your data collection. Is it going to create monopolies on data collectors and therefore performers? Potentially. I mean, I think it it depends how how they adapt. I think it's whether whether their business model adapts because of that because although it gives you an advantage being one of the bigger companies and sitting on the most data undoubtedly you're going to have more threats from from young startup companies i think the whole idea behind sort of the data being made accessible by the government in terms of sort of your land registry mm-hmm. data the whole idea behind doing that is they think so they were charging for that data they were charging access to that data and i think the government's view is that they will bring more value to the economy by making this publicly available and therefore companies can can use this data to create valuable companies that will then employ people and in the long run that will add more value um, than just charging for access to, to the land registry data. When you talk about data firms and where you're getting your data from, there are what I'd call kind of data facilitators. So really great platforms like uh, Land Registry is a good example. Who's using that well? Datcha, Realize, yeah. uh, Land Insight. And it, which is all, you know, effectively fine. They're using other data sources as well, but it, it's taking something, a, a publicly available data set and visualizing it and, in a kind of user-friendly manner. Then you've got other data providers where their, their real raison d'etre or, or point of difference is actually data collation. So if you look at something like CoStar, a lot of, a lot of their information is gained by people ringing up and literally kind of finding out what, these deals have been done, etc. And that's kind of harder to challenge in a way unless you can kind of automate that process. People's 
value proposition is in one of two points. Either you're visualizing thing in an intuitive manner or you're actually collecting data which other people can't. Yeah, and, and, and right now that is why a company you know, like a, a, a Dacia or, or a Nimbus or, or whoever else is, is visualizing that is in the millions and, and your co-stars, you know, market cap of, I think, eight, eight to 10 billion. So, you know, that, that's massive. But I think, I think that gap, that gap will, will narrow, whether that's co-stars value becoming less because that data that they're able to collect becomes more accessible or whether that's companies like some of the ones you mentioned, being able to take more of the market share, I'm not. I'm not sure which way that goes, but I don't think that gap will remain remain that wide. But you know, you know, company like a co-star, you're in a fantastic position with, with that sort of um, market cap and and financial resources to you know be able to take out any company that that starts to um, take any of their market away. I guess it just depends on them what you know what they see the the future of the market being. And do you think we'll see consolidation in that in that area? Oh yeah, massively. Yeah, definitely. I think um, collaboration and, and consolidation will be the two keywords over the, over the next few years. I think we'll see a lot of companies fail as well. Um, I think there's a lot of similarities between prop tech and the, what fintech's been through. We're probably sort of a couple of years behind the fintech space. And when there's so much interest in a particular industry, obviously that brings a lot of money, a lot of interest, a lot of press coverage, and with that, a lot of new companies. Um, And I think some of these companies will become hugely successful on their own right. Uh, But a lot of them to become hugely successful are either going to have to uh, collaborate or or, or merge with other um, complementary products. And I think we're already starting to see some, some very interesting collaborations and mergers between between prop tech companies is the natural extension of that that you think the, the end game of prop tech is going to be a number of big players effectively doing the whole piece rather than what you've got at the moment which is a lot of boutique ideas i don't know to what to de- degree that's going to happen but yes I, I feel quite strongly about that um eventually there will be some some platforms that emerge there's a difference of opinion and we have this i have this discussion with other prop tech companies but i think it will be very interesting to see which areas collaborate so that there's a thought in terms of on the data side of things that you could bring some very good data research news companies sort of together and you could create a very very valuable platform and i think i think there's a very strong argument that for infobode that we are a piece of what should be a much bigger puzzle on on that side of of the prop tech space then you have more sort of like your property management software and your asset management yeah. software and things like that. Now, there's one argument to say that you could build a platform with collaborative or merged data companies and you could plug in your sort of property management software and things like that. Then there's another argument that some of that software w- works for one company but doesn't work for another company. Therefore, that stuff should remain, should remain very separate. Uh, where the data side is, you know, that's factual. Um, so what we what I think we'll definitely see is data companies starting to at least work together, if not starting to merge with each other, on the property management and, and the software side of things. That's that's up for debate. I, I'm I'm not sure where I sit on that at the moment. I know where I sit, <laughs> which is <laughs> well, a, a lot of the bigger asset management products are designed for institutional and more more homogenous client platforms i suppose who are doing more traditional real estate if you're the the more kind of esoteric you get and different types of deal you get trying to have a a one-size-fits-all solution actually just doesn't work and and what you end up wanting then is is actually the ability just to piece together best in class kind of niche concepts and and have some means of connecting them all in in your own effectively customized system yeah 
So just just kind of going back to the qualitative element of of Infobode and, and the news you receive. We're in a world at the moment where one, one of the dangers, ironically, is, is data and, and information uh, overload. I say this as someone who very much welcomes the Infobode concept, particularly the ability to customize your newsfeed. But as a generalist, what it does mean is that keeping abreast of, of all things at the moment is becoming increasingly difficult because there's just so much content available, whether it's data, news, research, comments, analysis, you name it, it's there. And it's it's brilliant that you can now kind of customize your feed. But it all, it's obviously a lot more brilliant if you're specializing in a, in a particular part of, of real estate. But it seems like the, the kind of real estate world just seems to be getting bigger and bigger and more connected. And you know, there's now a whole tech element to it. And yeah, like I say, trying, trying to kind of keep up with the magazines and newsletters which come on my desk and in my inbox is, is becoming increasingly hard. What, what, where do you think this is all going all gonna to end up? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great point and, and one I strongly agree with. And, and one of our biggest challenges, actually, you know, it took us two years to get 10 companies to, to partner with us to give their content over. It took us another two years. We just hit 500. That in itself has brought its own challenges. So at the start of Infobode, when there wasn't that much content on there, it was in our interest that you subscribe to as much as you possibly could because we just didn't have that much content. And then what we were finding was that as we got more and more uh, content providers, we weren't necessarily getting more and more engaged users because the content they were receiving was becoming less relevant to them. So we quickly had to put in place this new subscription system. Now, as we get even more and more content providers, I think even that won't go far enough. And what we'll actually have to start doing now is identifying what you're clicking on. So yes, you are interested in the research in the London and the Paris office market, but this company keeps sending you or you keep receiving news from this company and you never click on it. You know, therefore, we should stop sending, showing you this, this company's uh, research because, because you're not interested. And that, from a tech company's point of view, is really, really difficult to do. And um, something, I remember Twitter. Twitter always used to be chronological order of everything that, everything that was posted. And they moved towards predictive analysis in terms of what you're likely to click on or what you're likely to read. That's really, really hard to do and get right as a company. So um, we know you're gonna, we're going to have to re- get to that point, but, but, but it brings its challenges um, because to start to tell someone what they want to read, you have to be sure that, that you, your algorithms are right and you're correct. Just to give you an example, sort of, if you're on Instagram, for example, it will analyze how long you spend on looking, scrolling through each picture. And it will, and then it will. When you load your feed the next time, pictures that you've looked at regularly will will show higher up. If you go on Facebook and you click on a company's, uh, if you click on lots of adverts, you go on your Facebook feed, you will see a load of adverts because you are someone that that clicks on a lot of adverts. So that's that's of high value to Facebook. But where it becomes really difficult for a tech company to to order its feed is. You know, there's a comparison. Like, if you were driving on the M- M25, for example, and you saw an accident on the other side of the road, it's the natural reaction to slow down and, and look at the accident. That doesn't necessarily mean you enjoy looking at, at, at car accidents. So, it's a real, it's a real challenge from a tech company. But for us, that will be the next step. So, first step was let's get the information in one place, and people can come to one place to access it. Then it was how do you customize that so that people are at least seeing information in the right sectors, in the right locations. And the next step will be is how do you analyze that in interaction with that content to better deliver um, at least uh, a feed, not necessarily in chronological order, but in likeliness of, of, of reading uh, the content. Do you have what you'd see as, as competition? People like Prop Modo and BizNow, how, how do they 
different from what you're doing. Yeah, so PropMoto and BizNow are both on InfoMode, so they both they both provide uh, content for our platform. So I think the key thing that to identify InfoMode about is is we are a platform. So we made a decision very, very early on that we would not produce our own content, we would not produce our own research, um, and, and literally we would be a distribution distribution platform. A lot of these companies like PropMono and BizNow, you know, we should be welcomed by them because re- literally we are reaching, um, we are helping them reach a much wider audience. Now, with Infobo, it comes does have its challenges with with companies like BizNow because obviously their model is to sell advertising on their own site. So we have to do. We have to be smart, and you know, some companies. It's a case of right. We can't have all of their information, but we can have enough to drive people uh, to their site and on our site. Each individual company does have its own challenges, depending on the purpose of their content. You know, are they producing content like your agents are for marketing purposes, or are they producing content to sell advertising on their own on their own platforms? In which case the pitch from Infobo to them is very different. But Infobo as, as a business model is to be a, a distribution platform and to have the community. The Facebook for real estate is the wrong term, but the, the idea of a platform, a distribution platform for that industry, then why would you continue? Obviously, you would still ha- I think companies would still have websites because there, there's massive value around them, but the posting content, posting marketing material, posting research would become more valuable on a platform where... 300,000, 500,000, whatever the number ends up being, people that are interested in that oh, yeah. data is going to be than posting on a website that they've then got to spend a fortune trying to drive the traffic to. Why not take your content straight to, to the audience you're trying to reach? So that's the info business model and, and, and hopefully what the future looks like. <laughs> well, fair enough. Um, <laughs> similar future for, for InfoBoders. You have teamed up with a number of other prop tech companies. So thus far, I think it's Riala and Coyote. Coyote, yes. Riella are on Coyote. they part of the same partnership, but their agreement is Riella and Coyote. Ours is Infobone and Coyote. Okay. Um, are, there, are there other such collaborations in the pipeline? Another one that will be announced in a couple of weeks is another, a big US company, another prop tech company in the US. That deal was done ages ago, just um, hasn't been announced yet. There's three or four others um, in the pipeline that we're talking to. So Infobo basically, you know, we're very open and you know, we were speaking earlier about collaboration. I think Infobo has a big part to play in terms of collaborating with uh, the reset, the macro stuff. So the macro stuff that we currently sit on. And, you know, we're looking at ways that we can drive more people to read that content because that's then a value to the content providers. But looking at ways that people want to engage with that, with that data. So the Coyote thing... I'm not sure when this podcast is going out, but the Coyote thing, when it goes live, um, will actually enable people to see what's happening around their portfolio. So the whole reason for the Coyote doing the partnership with Infobode is if you have, I don't know, an industrial building in Sheffield, you know, tying up with Infobode, we'll now be able to tell you anything happening within a 10-mile radius of your industrial building in Sheffield. Um, so, so there's going to be some big value add there. The one in America is more about they've got services around the real estate industry and they want to plug in, you know, what's happening in the market next to what they're trying to the services they're offering to uh, to their users. We're talking to you know companies that have availability, building availability, and they want to show the market research around it. So there's a whole host of different ways. So. The model in terms of the collaboration from Infobode into other products is I think we'll probably do six or seven integrations over the next year um, and we'll leave it at that. And basically the idea of doing six or seven integrations and there'll be bespoke integrations with each company is to really understand how companies would want to use 
the data Infobode's got to better their product on their side. And then I think once we've got our heads around that and, and seen the different ways people want to interact with that data, then we'll probably make a publicly accessible API available to all, all prop tech companies, all real estate companies um, that want to have access to that data. That starts to get to kind of very interesting. That's when you're in yeah, the, the real remit of what big data could potentially, potentially start to deliver. Yeah, absolutely. This is slightly left field, but in a world of fake news, I don't imagine this is a problem for you at the moment, but do you have to think about how you kind of validate the content coming onto your platform? Yeah, it is something we have to think about very regularly. And initially on Infobode, only going back now, sort of a year ago, we let users could upload their own content directly to Infobode. And I do want that to come back. I do want people to be able to post discussions. I do want people to be able to post their opinions on particular markets. But at the size of the company as we were then, perhaps we're a little bit more capable of dealing with it now, but we just didn't have the resources to check that this wasn't promotional material, this right. wasn't spam, this wasn't just people trying to hit professionals in the real estate industry with, excuse my language, but crap. So we pulled that and we said, right, it could only come from the companies, but we don't even let companies post directly to Infobode. So all content that comes from companies goes through a content team and they check that it's a value to the community. Now, that's not necessarily fake news. In fact, it's not fake news at all. It's more a case of we don't allow companies just to post promotional material about themselves. Whether it's fake news or kind of manipulation of the news, it's it's still, uh, yeah, it's the same point. I think it's, it's a big issue. I think for all media companies, it's a big issue and, and one that will become a bigger issue, I think, the bigger our, our community grows. This is, again, kind of a fairly non-sector question, but what do you think of data as a tradable commodity and, and the emergence of the kind of platforms to facilitate that? I'm thinking of things like um, CompStack. I'm not a specialist in the area, but I think perhaps used a lot more heavily in the US than it is in the UK. They are very interesting models. I mean, CompStack, particularly like their business model in terms of that you can provide data and then depending on what you provide, you can then access other data and, and, and CoStar um, as well. I have spoken to people and some a lot of people have concerns over it because you are incentivized to provide data that you perhaps don't really know or you're not 100% sure on. Right. Um, and then that de- devalues devalues the data. So that there's challenges to the business model, definitely, but certainly a, a, an exciting space and one we watch very closely. Uh, another thing which is slightly tied to my, my fake news question, which is blockchain te- technology. So we've, we've touched on uh, land registry, and that's certainly kind of one thing which is mooted as being a, a kind of database which can be made more robust via blockchain. Are there other forms of data? Like where, where can that extend to in terms of how we protect the validity of our data? Yeah, I, I think blockchain technology is you know hugely exciting um, in terms of in terms of its possibilities. The only thing I would say against that is I, I do think it's being a bit overused, and I do think that um, a lot of companies and 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 people talk about blockchain when it's just not required right um you know it is an interesting and fascinating technology and i'm sure it's going to transform in 10 years how we buy houses the, the financial market but right now you know i do have to question some some business models that say you know well, we're putting everything on the blockchain well why are you putting right. it on the blockchain right. yeah the, what's the value add of, of that being on the blockchain i wonder how many people like me who kind of know what blockchain is but actually the technological fundamentals of what the real limitations are 
No idea. Same with cryptocurrencies, you know, you know, another fascinating space. But again, you know, it, it's such early days. And again, you know, you have to question the value sometimes of, of these products. And, <laughs> and so, so on, on, on that point of some technology being uh, not quite as understood as it may well be portrayed as, if you were speaking to someone in my position and who's kind of scoping out the market for data provision services. Do you have any kind of words of advice in terms of how to go about sourcing and procuring and and how you can actually validate that what your data providers are purporting to do is actually what they are doing? From Infobo's point of view, it's a case of we we upload the the research, the aggregated data, if you like, and the companies put put their brand to it through the data and, and the research that they're producing and their opinions to it. And, you know, that was that was one of the things that we sort of decided quite early on in terms of not going down perhaps like a, a comp stack model where, right. where you know, this is this is the data on the market, but saying this is what Savills thinks happening. These, these are the comps from JLL. These are the comps from Colliers. So where we sort of sit very neutrally on that and saying, well, we're a platform for companies to share their opinion on the market or what their value of the data is on the market. But it does become challenging. Like Just going back to New York again, they were talking about comps between companies there in terms of breaking down New York. But people put the boundaries differently in New York, you yeah. know, as they do in yeah, London. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. what, what someone calls the West End or, or Midtown or, or Greenwich oh. in New York is, is different to what other people call it. So therefore the data is going to be different Anyway, even if it is real data, so th- th- there are You're right universal classifications and anything, yeah, nightmare, nightmare. So, um, so it's is really, really tough. Um, I think you know multiple sources is is the way forward. Uh, well, thank you, Matt. Um, so, look, if, if if you are one of the, or if you are not one of the twenty odd thousand people already using Infobode, it's free and uh, it's very easy to use. Set yourself up, get your own customized news channel. So, infobode.com. Correct. Yeah. Nice and easy. Uh, I'd thoroughly recommend that you that you do that, Matt. A couple of couple of questions just to finish up on. First of which is, uh, what's your favourite building? I feel I feel guilty for saying this. With in a city with so many historic and beautiful buildings, but are you, you going to go brutalist? I'm going to go shard. I'm oh, going well, okay, to shard. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's got eleven thousand glass panels. I mean, that is it, it, incredible. One of my favourite places to to go up. So. With, with so many beautiful historic buildings, I feel bad for saying the shard. But do you know, I've only ever been halfway up. Never been, never been to the top. Uh, yeah, yeah, need to be up. All right, well, nice, nice and easy actually. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that one. And uh, the final one is, yeah, what, what kind of innovation in and around the real estate industry have you seen that kind of excites you for its potential impact in years to come? Yeah, I mean, well, we were just talking about blockchain. I mean, I, it does excite me um, the, the possibilities of blockchain. AI is there's some fascinating things in AI. I think the more data that becomes available and accessible, I think the more exciting things we're going to see um, with, with AI. Can you give us an example? There's a big project going on in America at the minute where they're analysing um, the real estate market and what happened in the last crash. Right. So that if the crash happened again, what the predictions would then be for the real estate market um, following a crash. So there's a number of universities working on, oh, on so that j- project. Just kind of total market simulation effect. Yeah, so basically market simulation based off data and what happened previously and then trying to predict what will happen in the future should a crash happen again. And I think our, the real estate industry at the minute is very much done on on personal relationships mm. still, uh, despite the technology coming in. And I think we'll start seeing more and more sort of AI data funds coming about. As in a, a competitor to kind of index tracking equity funds or 
ETF. So yeah, yes, something similar to that. Yeah, in my opinion, we'll, we'll say I could be completely wrong, but um, I think we see it in the equity world. I think real estate and equities will become will become much closer. They're not going to be ever to be the same because it's not as liquid and it will never be as liquid. Despite some very interesting projects to try and make yep. real estate more liquid, uh, but I certainly think it will. They'll move closer together. Hmm. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, that's probably probably right. No idea how it will happen, but uh, but I'm sure you'll be right in the end. Uh, look, it's been an absolutely absolute pleasure to have you on. So uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, thank you. If you're not already, it's probably time to start thinking about how it is that you receive your news. The challenge out there is the quantity, and trying not to drown in the amount of information. The opportunity is quality. There's more quality analysis, comment, and data available than ever before. And this provides a huge opportunity for those who can harness it appropriately. Places like Infobode are a great place to start. There's other sources out there to to explore, including PropModo, BizNow, Land Collective, ULI. Many of these are free, so there's no reason why you wouldn't explore them. I think it's a question of watch this space as Matt and others now seek to integrate the provision of this information within other tech ecosystems and use innovations such as geo-matching news items to increasingly provide a customized end-user experience. As Matt's demonstrated, there's also a clear opportunity in the collation and dissemination of information. The question now is, where knowledge equals power, what price is that knowledge? I think there's a huge way to go in the battle as to what data is proprietary versus what is publicly available. I dare say it's a theme we'll return to in due course. We've got a great pipeline of interviewees coming through towards the end of the summer, so please do bear with me. I'll be publishing updates on my website as and when new interviews are live, but do say hi on Twitter. We're on at building underscore R. We'll be back soon. Until then, please do enjoy the sunshine.